Come, for all things are now ready. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The last two Sundays in our Gospel readings, we've been thinking about doors. We have reflected together on the powerful images of the open door to heaven, and sadly, about the closed door from last Sunday's Gospel, the closed door of the rich man's heart. We have also been reminded that it is Christ alone who is the door, the door that leads to all the eternal blessedness of heaven, that it is through his suffering and death that the kingdom of heaven has been opened to us and to all those who will simply believe and trust in his power to save and to bring new life and hope. During this long Trinity season of the church year, you and I will be drawn deeper and deeper into exploring, exploring what it is to be a true disciple of the ever-living one. We will find ourselves, you and I, drawn ever closer to the Lord of life, who will patiently and lovingly instruct us in the interior life of prayer and love. Our Gospel reading this morning, a very familiar reading, I'm sure, to every one of us, invites us to consider the great supper of the Kingdom of God. It describes for you and I what lies beyond the open door of heaven for those who have entered this blessed reality through the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. For every Christian believer, this is the goal of all of our life here below, to look forward with love and anticipation to the unending joys and wonders of paradise. Each one of us surely must find our greatest happiness in meditating upon the indescribable privilege of being among those blessed souls who are called to sit down at the table of the kingdom of God. Of his great grace and mercy, our blessed Lord relates a very familiar story to those who sat with him. Christ describes a certain man, a man that had carefully and lovingly prepared a great feast who then sent out his servant to announce to his chosen guests that the time had come for them to come and taste of the love and generosity of the one who had invited them to share in this act of charity and affection, this great feast. Naturally, one would have thought that his guests would have been overjoyed to rush to the table of their friend and to be fed from his table of abundance. But here is where the story takes a tragic turn. Instead of joy and anticipation, each of the guests begins to find a reason to be excused, to turn their backs on the generosity of their host. 
Each of the guests sees the pursuit of their own affairs, their own agendas, to be more important than answering the call of friendship and charity. But the story at the end takes a positive turn. Instead of just calling the whole banquet off, the master of the feast sends his servant out to call others to the dinner. He wants his servant to go in search, to go in search of those who would come, to the poor, to the maimed, to the halt and the blind. How very generous this great man is to call to his table those who would never have expected to find themselves the object of such generosity and openness of heart. Having invited these and finding that there was still room, the servant goes out to the outer limits, so to speak, to compel all who would come to come and taste of his master's goodness. This is a very powerful picture of the kingdom of God, isn't it? The Lord Jesus seeks to draw us a picture of the kingdom that we can all understand of the mercy and grace of our dear Father in heaven. And so we know that it is really you and I who have been called to the heavenly banquet of the kingdom. Christ has so lovingly called the world, including you and I, to sit down with gratitude and love in the kingdom of God. But this is a kingdom which is not built by those who have earned their way in, by their ability or deserving. Rather, you and I, and every man, woman, and child on this planet are the poor, the halt, the maimed, the folks that the Father of Mercy has so lovingly sought for. It is people like you and I, dear friends, that Christ has come to call. It is people like you and I that Christ has suffered and died for, so that the kingdom of heaven, the door leading to the kingdom of heaven, might be opened, and that we might find ourselves embraced eternally in the arms of the Holy and Blessed Trinity. Friends, there is a very important lesson for us all in the reaction of the first invited guests to the feast. As we read of their list of excuses, we need to look at our own hearts to see if our love and our agendas are directed at the kingdom of God or if we have allowed ourselves to be distracted by the visible things of the world rather than the invisible realities of God. Remember that our blessed Lord Jesus taught that our treasure is found where our hearts are. We need to think deeply about our loves, about the things that are of first importance in our lives. And we need to ask the Lord to put our loves in order for his glory. We all of us need to be, first of all, seeking the kingdom of God and then trusting 
but the Lord knows all of the other things that we need for the life of soul and body. He will provide for us. It sounds so simple, so simple, and yet each one of us knows how very difficult this can be. In our fallen world and in our hearts, we are surrounded by those things that promise happiness and fulfillment. Yet we know that anything short of the kingdom of God will only bring us short-term satisfaction and sadly, all too often, disappointment and loss. This is not to say that we must ignore or abandon our earthly lives and responsibilities. Far from it, dear friends. Rather, we are called to see all that we have and are as gracious gifts from the Father of lights to his dear children. We need to see ourselves and all that we have and are from the perspective of eternity from the perspective of the kingdom of God. If we can lift our eyes and our hearts from earthly things to heavenly things, which we can by the, use, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, then we will want more than anything to seek the will of God, to seek that will of God before and within all things and circumstances. If we do this, then we won't be like those who made excuses, like the ungrateful guests did. Rather, our outward lives, responsibilities and vocations, whatever they are, will be opportunities to serve and to witness to the love of God in Christ, a love, dear friends, that has opened the very door of heaven. St. John reminds us in the epistle we heard read this morning that the hallmark of a true and humble follower of Christ is love. This is not simply love as understood by the world, but rather a love that comes as a divine gift, a divine gift to all those who believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and who follow him humbly as their Lord and Savior in a life of love and self-giving. This is the love that is the very atmosphere of heaven and that has come down to earth to draw people like you and I to the glories of the great supper of the Lamb. Today, here in this place, dear friends, we are invited to a blessed foretaste of the kingdom, a foretaste of the great supper of the Lamb. Here in the sacrament of the precious body and blood of Christ, we have prepared for us a rich feast of divine things. Here at the blessed Eucharist, we find a supper that promises us, each of us, a strengthening and refreshing of soul and body. Here, in this place, we receive the true and ever-living bread of God. Here we find new life and grace, new strength to resist the enticings of the evil one, to let go of our hope of eternal life that is ours through the suffering, death, and resurrection of our Lord 
Jesus Christ. Here is strength and nourishment for all of us and every one of us. Dear friends, you and I as Christian folk are called to heaven. We are called to the great supper of the Lamb. And so let us not allow the things of earth to beguile our hearts and minds. But rather, let us be prayerfully determined not to prefer anything above Christ. We belong to him and can find true and lasting safety for our souls only as we moment by moment and hour by hour seek his perfect and life-giving will and purpose for our lives, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. The collect that we have prayed today asks our Lord to keep us under his good providence and asks that we might have a perpetual fear and love of his holy name. There is the whole matter, isn't it? That we might trust his providence to lead us and protect us and guide us in our lives and that we might seek from his hand the blessed fear and love of the name which is above every name at which every knee will bow and every tongue confess our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we will do this, dear friends, then we will find a joy and direction and purpose in our lives that the world with all its allurements cannot destroy. You and I will be men and women who will graciously accept the invitation, the invitation to the eternal blessedness in the great supper of the Lamb, we will answer the merciful call of Christ to come to him and to abide with him in his everlasting presence, both here and in eternity. Come, says our Lord to each one of us. Come, for all things are now ready. Amen.